Hello and welcome to episode one of Witches of Scotland. My name is Zoe Ventotzi and I'm a writer and teacher. Hi, I'm Claire Mitchell QC. I am a lawyer who deals in miscarriage of justice cases um, most usually. Um, and uh, we have set up the Witches of Scotland campaign and we just want to fill you in on what we've been doing for the past few months. Yes, because of course we planned to kick off several months ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, unhappily, it coincided with um, the pandemic. So we had to shelve that for a little while. Yeah, we decided um, not to proceed um, with the campaign whilst the pandemic was, um, or at least it started and we'd start again when uh, things uh, uh, when things got a bit a bit better and uh, that's why we decided to kick things off recently. Yeah, now that we're in our new normal and we're trying to kind of get back to something semblance, some sort of semblance of what we had before. So we went to, down to Curis in Fife last week and we went there because? We went there because um, Councillor Kate Stewart and um, remembering accused witches of Scotland had got together uh, and had presented uh, an event um, in Curis. What they had done was um, they had arranged for three plaques to commemorate the women who were killed um, on uh, in Curis and in the um, adjoining village of Torryburn. And um, uh, so along the Fife Coastal Path, Coastal Trail, there's now a part which you can follow uh, with three different plaques going from Curis to Torryburn or Torryburn to Curis, um, which which highlights the women that were killed there as witches, and in particular um, the, the famous Torryburn witch, Lilith Eady. Can you um, maybe talk a little bit about Lilith? Because I think she's a, an interesting and pretty compelling case, because apart from anything else, she wasn't actually convicted of being a witch, was she? No, that's right. What happened to poor Lillis was she was um, accused of being a witch, um, taken from her home, thrown in jail, and she. it is likely that she was tortured during that period of time, and she confessed, in fact, to having danced with the devil and having, uh, having been uh, a witch... They held her in custody for a month and a day and on that last day Lilith died. It's not I'm not quite sure how she died. It is said by some that, that she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. She may just have, have died. The conditions that she would have been kept in her would have been poor. Yeah. Um and she, and she was she'd be considered to have been quite elderly. Uh, yeah, I in think, those days, uh, yeah, not I, now. But. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's right. So, um, she, when she died, they didn't know quite what to do with her body because she she hadn't been convicted as a witch. She'd been accused and she had um, confessed to it, but she hadn't been convicted of it. So, they just they they didn't know what to do with her body, and they came up with them um, a very a very strange way of doing things indeed. Yeah, she ordinarily, what would have happened to a witch's body after they'd been convicted? How would they have dealt with the remains? Well, what they would have done to people that were convicted of witches is to strangle them and then to um, burn them. So they were already dead when they were burned? Some of them were, not all of them. Um, God, but so brutal, isn't it? I think that's horrific. partly what compels people to still be interested. It's not. It's not only, it's not merely... They, well, merely is the wrong word, but it's not, it's not solely 
because of the miscarriage of justice. It's the extreme brutality with which the women and some men were treated. Yeah, I mean, I, I read a, um, um, a, a, an article in a book recently which said that, um, that people who were particularly bad witches um, or, or, or they wanted or a, 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 um, something which they wanted to make an example of someone, they mm-hmm. didn't strangle them. So they allowed them to burn. So in in some ways, burning would you know strangulation would be a kindness for sure. Yeah, um, you know to uh, kill them first. But then there's very much this spectacle built into it that it's a public involvement. Absolutely, isn't there? absolutely. And then so with Lilis because she wasn't actually a witch. Yes. And she died. Yes. Not she at died. Not, she died having been accused as a witch, having confessed to being a witch, but never having. And never having come to trial. So and the thinking was that they couldn't treat her in a normal Christian method. Oh, there was no chance that she would have ever received a Christian burial. Even though she hadn't actually been convicted of anything. Yeah, I don't think that would have made much difference because so she had, inverted commas, confessed. Confess. So because yeah. she made a confession, as far as society at that time would have been concerned, she was, for all, to all intents and purposes, a witch. Yes. So had to be dealt with in the same way. Yes. So, but But strangely, for whatever reason... Her, they decided not to burn her body because the 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 killing of the witch was the strangulation, the the setting fire to the witch as a generality was to get rid of the body. Now, why was that clear? Because uh, there was a belief that if people's bodies weren't removed, the devil would um revenant them, revenir coming from the the um French to come back mm-hmm. they believed that the devil might inhabit the, the body of the dead witch and bring it back to life so they had a really quite a strong belief then that if they didn't destroy the witch's body that the witch could then be reanimated by the devil and then walk amongst them and wreak havoc exactly okay exactly come back and, and wreak some form of revenge so um but it, it not only was it an a a, a a way of getting rid of the body of someone, but it really expunged these people from history, from mm-hmm. society, and that's what's so strange about Lilith. As we'll come to talk, that um, there is a, that there is something that we can physically see that is a remnant of her, as it were, of her life. There yeah. is a, um, there is a, a grave of sorts. But but I suppose one of the reasons why we don't talk more of these women is because there's literally so little record of them including what we have for the dead before us which is graves to visit yeah and it's quite interesting because one of the things that i've come to discover during during this interest with you is that i had presumed that there wasn't really much of a legal system i think i had an idea that there'd be some guys that were in charge that had money or were involved in the church and that they would accuse a witch and it would be kind of like a kangaroo court sort of thing but now through talking to you, I realised that it was actually a very sophisticated legal system. You know, it wasn't just yeah. There, a... there was a there was a legal system in place. Um, what there wasn't was um very much paperwork or bureaucracy, and yeah. uh, particularly in the the first wave of witchcraft, what we find is that there is scarce recording of it. But we can be clear that a lot of people were killed as witches in mm-hmm. that in that first but there was always a, a trial of sorts there was mm-hmm. evidence of sorts laid so it was a um a trial not in any way we'd understand it in the modern day but so there was no there, nobody defended the witch or the accused person um there i don't think there, there wasn't the same idea of defense yeah. as as there was now but evidence was laid against that person 
And on many occasions, the women themselves weren't allowed to give evidence because they weren't deemed competent. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? But back to Lilith, because I think as we go through the podcast, we're going to look at various myths of the witches and yes. see what's true and what's not true. But what we do know about Lilith is the way in which her body was disposed of. Yes. So Lilith was taken out to the foreshore at Torryburn. She was put in a wooden box and she was buried in in the shore. A locked wooden box. A locked wooden box. Um, where the water would come, would uh, would go over her twice mm-hmm. a day with the uh, coming in and out. So not only would she be um for for the most part uh, locked in a box, but she would also be underwater. Mm-hmm. And as if that wasn't enough, a large stone slab stone sort of size and shape of mm-hmm. of of the top of a coffin was put on top of it as well. So just this, to ensure she couldn't return. Just for the avoidance of doubt for those listeners who are not able to get to Curis and have a look at this, it's still there. You can see it. Once it's pointed out to you, it's actually very clear that it's not like the other rocks that are there. Yes. It's, it's very deliberately put there. This isn't a gravestone. There's no carving on it, nothing. It's a, a big slab that's clearly there to hold down the boxes underneath. Indeed. One of the people that we're hoping to talk to is one of the... Um, uh, people who who took their own time to go and actually find where that slab was, and uh, hopefully we'll be speaking to him um later on. That'd in, be in great, one of our yeah. Podcasts. The archaeologist, yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Because what happened as well, sort of many years later, there was then another awful sort of degradation to Lilis, which is that the grave was robbed, wasn't it? That's right. Um, grave robbers were in fact commissioned. Uh, to rob her grave, um, the the interest in in witches and uh, curios from witches being so great, that um, despite the fact that she'd been put in that watery grave, um, uh, in the locked box and with the slab over her, um, you know, a, a hundred years later, she 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 was dug up, um, grave robbers took her her skull, they took her parts of her bones and they also took splinters from the box that they'd opened up. Now what did they do with the pieces of the box that they'd opened up? Well it is said that the pieces of the box were made into walking canes, two walking canes and it's understood that in fact one of those walking canes found its way as as a gift to, um, to Andrew Carnegie and uh, he received the, the, the gift um, uh, from someone in Fife. So it's said that that walking stick made it to part of his collection. And where did the skull of Lilith go? Well, we uh, understand that the, um, the Empire exhibitions, which, which happened, I think, from 1880s up to the 1930s, the uh, skull was actually um, exhibited there, Lilith's is skull as the skull of a, a witch. Um, and we can uh, trace the history of the skull right up until the end, 1937-38, when it was last shown. And we can't find where the skull has, has gone, although people are looking to find out where that skull has gone. So photographs were taken though, and then from those photographs, the team at Dundee University then made a reconstruction of what Lilith would have looked like. Yes. And we might go into that later on about the process of that in a, in a further podcast. So we have got an idea that you can find if you, if you have a look on our website, there'll be a link to that, where you can have an, a bit of an idea. And I think what I find really interesting about that is um, presumably one of the motivations for them doing the project 
was to humanise her because I think the whole process of how to get rid of the body and then the skull being shown and the box you know, being made into walking sticks and so on totally dehumanised her and made this move from them being real women and some men to these kind of caricatures, these kind of cartoonish, black pointy-hatted yeah. witches on a heath. You know, they're no longer normal women. They were weird and and almost laughable. I think our view of witches in the modern day is often kind of a... It's sort of a comedy value. Yeah, uh, th- 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 they're a joke. And I, I know when um, I, I spoke to people when um, the campaign was being set up, people thought I was I was joking and I mm-hmm. thought what what what's to joke about thousands of women were plucked from their lives uh, murdered by the state and yeah. and we have no recognition of it and the fear that people must have lived in then as well you know that other other women and other people in the community that were vulnerable in some way must have lived in fear that the finger could be pointed at them absolutely i mean what what would happen is that a person in your community would be taken in mm-hmm. and they may confess to being a witch under torture one of the torture methods used uh, um, is to um, deprive people of their sleep. Mm-hmm. And that was apparently commonly used in Scotland. So what would happen is people would be deprived of their sleep. They would be constantly talked to about the devil. What did you do with the devil? Did you lay with the devil? Did you cast spells? Did you do this? And days of no sleep meant people started just telling stories. You, you would break down. You would. Anybody that's ever had to spend time with a newish baby knows how quickly you could be forced to do absolutely anything and that's a quote-unquote joyous moment to be taken into into some sort of horrible cell or whatever and be constantly harassed and know that the end point i mean i, I wonder how many people that were accused of witches were were then not actually convicted and they went oh sorry we made an error yes. clearly you did not lie with the devil and then they were released to go back to their lives uh, no when, when when people confessed to it that was it that it's, was the end of the story c- confession is to this day in criminal law, confession is such a strong statement against self-interest mm-hmm. that it, it, it really affects people because people think, well, why would you confess yeah. to something? But the the confession went further. When they confessed themselves to being witches, the point of fear in the community is what they then said was, who else was with you? Yeah. No, you weren't by yourself. Yeah. And anybody in the community could be named. So no one was safe from the possibility. Absolutely. It D- didn't, didn't matter how fine and upstanding a community member they were. It didn't matter if they were nobility mm-hmm. or a pauper. There was no strata of society w- that was safe from having the finger pointed at them of witchcraft. And we know now with, with the issue of miscarriages of justice that things like sleep deprivation and constant badgering we know that that's you know appalling tactics. Not that it doesn't still happen, presumably here and there. Hopefully, less and less. But certainly, when you look at things like, you know, like the making of a murderer, you know, the Brendan Dassey case. That's what yeah. they did there, wasn't it? There was a sort of a constant badgering, and people will confess, particularly if they're you know sleep deprived or they've got um sort of you know issue sort of any vulnerability any or, vulnerabilities yeah um makes it much easier. But people without vulnerabilities also confess to things that they haven't done. Yeah. Some people think, if I confess, it will stop the torture. Yep. If I confess, it will make it easier. Yeah. You know, that, you I might, know. Save, might save people that are close to me that are getting threatened, Ab- you know. Absolutely. It's absolutely terrible. So we're going to look at that in more um, detail. Yes. Now, the group in Fife 
um, have got a conference that's happening. Um, they were supposed to be having one in real life, but like everything now, everything's shifting online. So we'll have details of that as they become available to us because we'll be speaking at we will, some of the speakers there. There's a whole range of people that are going to be talking. But then they're having an actual real life conference. I believe they've got that planned, don't they? Yes, hopefully for, I think, May of next year, we'll no doubt give you more details on that in the time. But um, that yeah. should be a really, really interesting conference. Yeah, let's hope that we... We're still around for that. Yes. <laughs> she said darkly. Um, okay, so one of our missions is really to, to, to get several things. Maybe, Claire, you could outline what it is that we're looking for in our campaign. Yes, what we're looking for is for um, those people that were convicted, both men and women. We, we see women, the vast majority of them were women. We mm -hmm. think some 84%. But we're wanting the uh, a pardon for the people that were convicted um, as witches. But... Like Lilith, some of them never made it to being uh, convicted. Some were just accused, uh, were tortured, died, um, or, or, or perhaps even were acquitted. There are at least a, a small number mm -hmm. um, who, who may well have been acquitted, but their lives would have been ruined. So we mm -hmm. want a pardon for those that were convicted. We want an apology for those that were accused but, but never convicted. And the third thing, and... and you know, as equally as important as the other two, some kind of public national memorial that remembers these women in society, remembers the wrong to done to them, so that so that that can be a a, a physical representation and a talking point for people so we never forget the wrongs done to these people because that was one of your original drivers for wanting to do this campaign wasn't it about the lack of visible presence yeah yeah i mean it, it started off with me thinking first of all um it, um I, I read the book um where are the women by uh, sarah sheridan um thoughts that i'd already been having about the lack of visibility of women who had done great things in public life where is this where is this where are the statues of them um and um when i was walking my dogs in princess street gardens i thought not only aren't there statues of women who've done great things there isn't even a, a memorial to women who did nothing at all and mm -hmm. were were executed in a horrific miscarriage of justice so yeah that was that was one of the my initial thoughts about why I thought this was important. Yeah, and I think that now one of the things that, that we've talked about is when there's a national, international possibly, conversation about statues and their importance and what they mark and the purpose of them, that there really is, you know, as you've already said, a marked lack of, of women represented. But this is something that, you know, we we really feel is, is a terrible thing that happened in our past of Scotland, you know, and it's something that needs to be recognised and kind of reckoned with. We've had a few people saying to us on Twitter, what's the point of this? It was hundreds of years ago, let it go. You've got to apologise for everything these days. What can we possibly do? Can we maybe talk a little bit about what the point of it is for those that are unclear about why we'd want to do it? Yeah, well, I I think um, that justice can never be too late. Oh, like uh, that. I, I think that these people were wronged and we should do as a society what we can to put that right now mm -hmm. we cannot affect any of these women directly but we we can see that something which was wrong happened and it should be put right and that's why i think you know that that's why i think the first reason is that you should have justice any time yeah I, I, and the other thing is 300 years in in uh, 300 years in history is the blink of an eye mm -hmm. we we 
you know, we, we live as humans if we, we live happy, long lives. We'll live, what, 80, 100 years perhaps mm-hmm. at, at, at best. So we're, we're not talking a hugely long time ago that this happened. So really, the first thing is, why, why is it important now? First thing, I think, is justice. Second thing, I think, is um, just to address the issue of public visibility, mm-hmm. to address the fact that... Um, this happened, it should never happen again. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, really, I, I think it's important that we um, have that public visibility. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that's very, very important. And uh, I suppose the third reason, um, and equally, if not more practically important than the other two, is that women and children, uh, and men as well, again, to a lesser extent, are still being called witches in places around the the world. Mm-hmm. Um, people are are still being uh, tortured. People are being accused of witchcraft. They're being shunned by their society. Some people are still being killed as as witches. And I think that we should send out a message that that um calling people's witches and and witchcraft should not be used as a tool of persecution. Absolutely, yeah. And I think one thing that we'll we'll look at later down the line as well is about I mean there are there are some people that are witches, you know, that yeah. I mean that's not we're not witches. Nope. I mean I'm not anyway, clearly nope. you are I'm not sure. a witch. <laughs> but um I certainly would defend somebody's right to be a witch if they want to be a witch. Yeah. And I and I think it's really interesting as well that particularly on Twitter, which is unfortunately for some of the good stuff that it does, it is a really horrendous hell pit as well, often. <laughs> um, the word witch, you know, and things like a, a witch trial, that's still bandied around. I'd still see the word witch used as a way to shut women down. Well, so that, I find that quite interesting. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's so interesting you see that because, um, obviously, the very, very sad passing of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Um yesterday um was um you know around the world people recognized what she'd done for women's rights and one of the articles that came up which was really interesting was her going to see margaret atwood having a talk Mm -hmm. and they both had a conversation about the me too movement Mm -hmm. and um in the conversation that they had margaret atwood said i think dark times are ahead. I think there's going to be a backlash against the Me Too movement. And I think um, she actually pointed out, she said, um, not since the 17th century have the, has, has the female character of the witch been used uh, as much as it has recently um, in relation to negative aspects of women calling women and she she cited the example of Hillary Clinton yeah being being described as a witch um Ruth Bader Ginsburg said uh, that she was hopeful she was much more optimistic she thought that women were now in a better position in society and wouldn't let wouldn't let there be such a, a huge backlash against women but it was so interesting that um the first thing that um uh, that Margaret Atwood went to was the idea of a witch because the Handmaid's Tale was based upon a a Massachusetts woman called mm-hmm. Half Hanged Mary, because um they they tried to hang her and she survived, and um she she went on to live because they they weren't able to weren't able to kill her. So the the idea of a witch and and and, and witches and witchcraft in modern society, and using that against women. Is, is interesting 
you know, yeah. um, and, and maybe it's time to have a discussion around changing that narrative about what it is to be a witch if people want to be witches in the modern day. Yeah, I think it's, it's all very interesting. It's like the word witch is such a quick shorthand to just shut somebody down, you yeah. know, and, and sort of all the connotations we've got with it about it being, you know, an older woman, that's something that we've talked about as well. Yes. You know, we're maybe not entirely in the first blush of our youth. You know, I'd certainly <laughs> think we're at a gateway to some sort of level of wisdom, obviously, <laughs> as I'm trying to spin it to myself. But I think that there is there is an idea there that you've, once you've moved on from sort of being, you know, I don't know, just post-pubescent, that then you sort of lose your desirability. And I mean, I'm not talking about us, obviously, we're obviously extremely desirable, but you lose that. And then there's this idea that you're going towards cronehood and the idea that like a witch is a crone and, yeah. you know, that, that sort of lack of visibility as well, I think really plays in with that. So I think this links very interestingly to what it is to be a woman today. Absolutely. You know, and, and the dangers you face, not maybe to be burnt at the stake sort of thing, but yeah. definitely to be shunned or cancelled or whatever. Or, or not. Um, one, one, first of all, what I would say is I'm delighted to see there's a new generation of women self-describing as witches. They, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, briefly on um, TikTok, uh, <laughs> I, I had a look at TikTok, and there are young people yeah. describing themselves as as witches uh-huh. on 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 TikTok and that was really interesting, um, so I was I was uh, I was pleased to see that. But even our phraseology talking about women and older women, there's a phrase that I have now stopped using, which is that's just an old wives' tale. Yeah, yeah. Because because all you're really saying there is older women don't know what they're talking about. Either that, or we should maybe try and start to use it. But when people talk about something really really sensible you say yeah that's an old wives tale yeah meaning that's meaning, a that's a sensible the money <laughs> absolutely that woman <laughs> knows what she's talking about so yeah we, we hope to um i mean discuss all sorts of these uh, these types of things that yeah and we've got loads society. of great guests lined up we're going to talk to um historians writers artists politicians people around the world actually that have got things to say and experiences with with a modern issue about witchcraft around the world so hopefully we'll be able to have a look at some individual stories, disabuse some myths that we've got and see what the state of play is generally for, for perceptions towards witches. Um, would you like to talk about ways in which people can follow us, Claire, and get involved? Okay. Um, if you'd like to get involved, please go to the witchesofscotland.com website and sign up on that. We've had great support so far. Um, please follow us on um, Twitter, Witches of Scotland, if you find us there. And uh, we're also on Instagram. We'll be doing some more posting um, soon. We've only started that up. But please do... Uh, Facebook too. Don't oh, yes, Facebook. sorry. Sorry, yeah. we're on Facebook, Witches of Scotland as well. Um, so please do follow us. We hope to um, keep these updated to let you know when there's new podcasts, to let you know when we'll be speaking to people. We aim, what with our, our, our busy lives, we aim to get a podcast out every uh, uh, second Sunday. I like it. I, that's good. Okay. <laughs> That's our aim. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, great. So we aim to get a podcast um, out then and uh, we hope you follow us on um, this quest. Also, um, please, when you're, uh, if you think this is interesting, please engage your friends, your family in chat mm-hmm. because we really want to start a discussion um, so, uh, about these things and, and raise the awareness of the campaign that we're starting here so um, do let your friends and family know as well if you yeah think and get in touch because some of the interesting things that have come out of the, the radio um, 
interviews that you've done, Claire, has been that people have been in touch on Twitter and things like that and saying, you know, oh, I know this story or, you know, yeah. I'm linked to this in some no. way. So please let us know about stories like that too. Absolutely. And we would also encourage, um, we, we're, we're also uh, doing what we call in the future worldwide witches, which is what we want to do is, is not only try and help people right the wrongs of, of what happened to women in Scotland, but also take it worldwide. I would so far um contact from people um across across the globe mm-hmm. um Canada America Sri Lanka uh, um Tanzania so, so many different people Ireland uh, um have contacted us and um you know I, I think it's it's a conversation that I think needs to be had um mm-hmm. and, and it appears to be more than a national conversation so we'd uh, encourage you if you are from abroad and you've got uh, anything that you might think we're interested do please get in contact with us yeah well it's been lovely talking claire great um we'll be talking in two weeks grand yes okay <laughs> okay great all okay. right okay bye bye